So once again, thank you all for being here with us today. I'm glad to have Barth and Debbie back with us today. And John, I'm glad your surgery went well. I'm glad you're doing better. I understand you're going to have some pain for a few days when it comes to the the work of the surgery that they did with your body, but I'm very happy about what's taking place with you, my brother. Um, glad to hear that you're you're staying faithful to the Word of God and in those things that God hath given you, and uh, we will be much blessed. So, um, you know, there's there are some really good things that are taking place in each and every one of us, and I'm I'm thankful that. Um, God is our God and that God loves us all. Amen. Are you thankful for that? I know that I am. Father, we're just so thankful that we have come before you today to share the word of God one to another and that your faithfulness, Lord, is what brings our faithfulness. It's a reciprocation of who you are in us that we gather ourselves together to hear your word and to hear the guiding thoughts of of your mind, that it might become our mind, that it changes us into your image, and we, we learn how to die daily. Lord, that is, that is my thought today, is that I learn to die so that Christ may live in me. And God, I just ask that that be the challenge and the faithfulness of your word in us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. So does anyone have a comment or a testimony this morning before we uh, get into the word of God? It's your moment. Online, I guess we've kind of given you that opportunity already, and uh, if you'd like more of one, just let me know, and we'll we'll definitely get to it again. So, yes, yes, Bob. Hey, Bob, could you Bob, could you move closer to the computer, please? Yes. And I remember when Pastor Brian prophesied to all the deacons a specific word about increase. And he also let the church know this is just not to the deacons, but it's to the entire church, the increase. And it sounds to me like I'm hearing a continuation of the increase that God has been doing for some time. Which shows to me, once again, Gary and I talked about this a little bit, about the faithfulness of God and how faithful he is and the increase that is coming, that has come and will continue to come by the promise of God. So that's what I wanted to say. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate that. And that was prophesied by Brian at that conference for sure. No doubt about it. And we we are seeing, and and Rick spoke of it also. I think Dan alluded to the interview that he had with Rick and some of the things that Rick spoke when it came to the increase of God. And how many of you can look back over the last few years of your time in the body of Christ and know that you've been increased of God. There's, there is no question in my mind of, of any of you not being increased. Not, there, every one of you have a testimony of increase. That God has blessed you with his word and has changed your thought. And has taken you from one place to another. And I, we are all blessed by that. Amen. So uh, inherently then, there are things that uh, God is going... God is doing and wanting to do in each and every one of us. Amen. I know that for myself, I, there's many thoughts that have existed in me that I have prayed much about, and God is beginning to do a work in overcoming them. I'm not going to get specific in those things because it it doesn't really matter to any of you. It definitely matters to me, though. 
But what I'm beginning to see in myself is that the Word of God is being increased, and it will continue to be increased all the days of our lives, not just here on earth, but forever. So we'll always be in the increase of God, and God is ever bringing forth His manifestation or Himself in us in all things. Amen? Are, are you thankful for that today? I know that, and Ted, if I stand up, is that going to... Okay, I appreciate that, because I, I cannot sit here any longer. The thing that blesses me so much today is that not only do I, have I seen uh, in myself this wonderful growth of God, but even to the point where now my wife is joining with me. I mean, I can't, one thing I'll say about this, okay, I, I don't want to get too carried away either, but I will, is that in, the, in Genesis chapter 1, God made a covenant with Adam, did he not? And did that covenant include Adam and Eve or just Adam? It included a male and female because God is both. So in chapter 1 it says, and, and God made them male and female. That's what it says. And when he made covenant then with Adam, he was making covenant with both male and female because in Adam they were one. So God only separated Eve out of Adam so, so God could begin to teach Adam what happened in his thoughts and teach him how he fell. That's what took place. But the part that I want to talk about this morning is that when God made covenant with Adam, let's just go to it and read it. So I don't, so you know where I'm talking from. How about that? Starting with verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing. Now I'm going to read it in the King James because I forgot that I had the, the English Standard Version on my tablet. I'm, I'm going to read it from the King James because that's. I love how it says it better. I like the way it says it. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God made covenant with Adam. And in that covenant that he made with Adam, he gave Adam dominion over everything, did he not? So he literally is what he's speaking about to Adam is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Because in the testimony of Jesus Christ, we have dominion over everything. And if we stay in the testimony of Jesus Christ, we will always have dominion. So it has in the prophecy that has gone forth for all of us, what is the prophecy to do? What is, why did the prophecy come forth? It's to put us in the remembrance of the covenant that God made from the beginning so that we would begin to know that in Jesus Christ we have, we have dominion over every thought. That's a powerful statement. That's a powerful thing that God is doing in this day in which we live. God not only wants you to have dominion over the things of the earth, but in having dominion over the earth, does He not also give you how to live in heaven with Himself, with God? That's what He's teaching you. So He puts you, you have, a, you have dominion over the earth, and having dominion over the earth, it's to teach you how to live with the Father in heaven. How to be a part of everything that He is and everything that He is doing. That's why He makes covenant with you. 
He does not make covenant with you to remove you from these things. He makes covenant with you to teach you how to have dominion over them so that you live as God intended you to live from the beginning. You live in heaven. So a lot of the scriptures in, in the New Testament, which we speak from a lot, says set your affection on things above, not on the things of earth, in Colossians, the third chapter, correct? So if I'm setting my affection on things above and not in the things of the earth, then what kind of things is God showing me? Is he showing me how to live this life in the physical plane? Or is he beginning to show me spiritually who I am in him and what I am to uh, become in hearing the word of God? He's beginning to put a, a new mind in the believer. So the believer begins to see himself as God intended for him to see himself from the beginning. So in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, when I look in the mirror, who do I see? I see the Lord from heaven. I'm being changed into the same image by the Spirit of the Lord so that when I look into the mirror, into a glass, I no longer see it darkly. I now see it in the light of heaven. I now see it in the mind of Jesus Christ. So I'm beginning to take on the mind of the Lord and I'm beginning to perceive myself as God sees me. And so in 1 Corinthians excuse me, chapter 13, when it talks about the love of God, in that love that God hath given to us, in the end of it, what do we know? That we shall know as He knows. That's, what it, that's the effect of it. That we, we will know as He knows. So let me go back to uh, chapter 1 in Genesis. <clears throat> so God created man in His own image, and in the image of God... Created he him, male and female created he them. So I'm going to go back to what I was saying then before I went there about Connie. Connie and I have been married 48 plus years. That seems like forever. Seems like a long time, doesn't it? But we have a long ways to go. So 48 years. Here's what I remember in it. I remember that before we were married, in fact, we were still just kids. We got married when we were kids, but we were just kids dating. And one thing my, my girlfriend said to me, my girlfriend Connie said to me, she goes, unless you're willing to serve the Lord, I'm not going to date you. We're done. We're not going to be together. Do you remember that, Connie? We were what? You were 17, 16, I was 17, something like that. And I was a hellion. I was doing my best not to be a, uh, a church boy. I was doing my best to be a bad boy. <laughs> yeah, which wasn't as bad as a lot of boys are today, that's for sure. But anyway, besides all that, um, so in my wife said, unless you're willing, my girlfriend said, unless you're willing to serve the Lord, we will not be together. That became the drawing together of our relationship. It wasn't because we went to the same church. It was because there was a relationship in Jesus Christ that we both knew was important to ourselves individually. That's what we knew. So moving forward then, when we got into our when we got into our 20s, um, it became apparent that where we were at, the church that we were in, was not meeting our spiritual need. 
It was not guiding us into the Word. In fact, we weren't even being taught the Word of God. We were just being taught how to be good people. And how you be a good person without the Bible, that's something that doesn't work well with me. And so I began to ask a lot of questions about people that were of people that were in authority. I wanted to know about the things of God. I wanted to know the Word of God. And as I went to them with my questions, the standard uh, answer that I got is we will know when we get to heaven. Now, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. In one aspect of truth, that is true. It's just like the Apostle Paul when he went on uh, the backside of the desert for 14 years and he began to commune with the Father in heaven, right? And in that experience, did he not, was he not taken up into the third heaven? And was he not taught things that were not lawful for a man to utter? Do you know that uh, if I consider uh, what they were saying and I put it in a right perspective, if I put it in me instead of out of me, and I begin to know and understand the importance of what God is putting forth in this day of salvation, is it not true that each and every one of us need to have an experience with the Father when we are drawn up into heaven? In our consciousness, in the mind, we are drawn up to where we begin to see and hear things that are not lawful for each and every one of us to understand. And so it becomes apparent that when we are drawn up, that we are changed. Paul became changed by the Holy Ghost. When Ananias laid hands on him and, his, and God changed his name from Saul to Paul, his eyes were opened into things that we all desire to see, were they not? And so, even in, when times refreshing from the Spirit of the Lord begin to move in our minds, and they begin to quicken our thoughts, these are times that we need to give great attention to, and we don't want to quit them in our thoughts. We want to continue in them. So if a word, that God, if a word of faith comes to us from the Father in heaven, what do we want to do with it? Do we want to just drop it, or do we want to begin to press into it? Do we want to begin to take up the Word of God, begin to read the Word of God, and begin to seek out what God has said and stay in it until those things become known in us? How many of you believe that God will speak to you from heaven? I believe that God speaks to you every day. The only thing that needs to be changed in it is how you hear it. Because when God speaks to you and you want and he's wanting you to hear it, he needs you to hear it, it's because he's addressing something in your thoughts that needs to be changed. That needs to be created to where you begin to see in your thoughts how God sees it and how God made it in the beginning. So just when he spoke to Adam and Eve in the, in the garden and made, gave them dominion over everything in the earth, for you to have dominion in the earth as God has coveted with you, he has to create it in your mind and show it to you in the aspect of himself so that it brings forth the testimony of Jesus Christ in your mindsets. So that 
all of a sudden then the judgment of what we perceive it to be within, it becomes it begins to bring forth the judgment of God in it over that over the the mindsets of humanism or the mindsets of man and begins to birth it as God said it from his own mindset in the beginning. How many of you believe that God in the first seven days when as we read it in the books of, book of Genesis, that everything that was made was made in seven days, actually six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. Everything that he made was made in, seven, in six days. What does that mean, though? Is it talking about how we perceive it outwardly, or is it how we perceive it inwardly when we believe, when we become a believer in Jesus Christ? Because I know this. When I became a believer in Jesus Christ, even as a youngster, even as a child, let me say it that way, I knew that things in me had to be changed. And the more I did it after the flesh, the more frustrated I became and the more I didn't want to have anything to do with God. And that's what caused me to rebel. It wasn't because of the Word of God it was because of my perception or my thought when it came to the Word of God. And the more I put it outwardly and tried to fulfill it here, the worse and the more frustrated, even as a pastor. Because everything, I knew the Word of God was being taught to me. And I was having great experiences in the Word of God. And the more that we began to work them in and of ourselves for ourselves in the physical plane, the more frustrated I became. And the more it began to work in my mindset that this is not God. This is not the intention of God. This is not the desire of God, except for the fact of this. I was learning about who God is and who God is not. Now you all have those testimonies, right? You can all testify. How many, Lou, you, I remember that you were spent a lot of time going door to door also, right? Yep. Was that what did you learn from that? If I, I and I, you don't need to speak to it because I I can speak to it because Connie and I did it for years also. But the thing I learned from it is that it was for me. It wasn't for the person whose door I was knocking on. It was not for them. It was for me. Because every time I knocked on a door, what was I there to do? Was I there to, to love that person? Or was I there to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ in myself? Why was I there? I didn't know I was there to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to myself. I had to be taught that. God had to teach me that. Isn't that what was beginning to take place? I know that every time I knocked on the door, Jesus Christ became greater in my thoughts. Every time. Every time I knocked, every time I began to testify of Jesus Christ, who became greater? Jesus Christ. Every time. The Word was beginning to grow. The Word was beginning to bring experiences. Here's the problem. 
it was inward and not outward. And the more I tried to take it outward, the more frustrated I became. But I'll tell you this, Jesus Christ was not getting frustrated within. And you can all begin to believe that for yourselves. That if you're testifying of Jesus Christ, the growth of it is inward and not outward. And in that testimony, Jesus Christ is making you aware of what the Word of God is doing within and not doing without. It's amazing. I, had, I would literally invite people to come to church that were sick. And I mean sick with cancers and those kind of things. I would invite them to come to church just so we could lay hands on them and, he, and heal them. And they would come. And guess what, Lou? You know what they received? In my ignorance, they did not get healed physically. Most of them died of their cancer. Fuck, they all did. But guess what happened? What did they receive? They received the Word of God. They heard a testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, in the eternities then of God, is that bad or good? So, is it good for them or good for you? It's good for you. That's what the eternity is. The eternity is in you. It's in your heart. It's your world. And even those, a lot of those exercises that we did were in vain. Hear me. The Word of God was still active in your world our perception or our mindset of what we were doing was in error. But the Word of God, it doesn't change the Word of God. The Word of God is still true. The Word of God is always purposed. It's been purposed from the beginning. Frankie, the purpose of God has always been true in you. Your perception of it in your own heart is where the, it gets aired. And that's why God has shown up in prophecy to correct it all and to finish the work. Didn't Jesus finish the work? So is that same Jesus in you to finish the work? I believe it is. And I believe that He is doing it greatly today. We made friends in the world. That's right, Lou. That's how we get uh, socialized religion, right? John 17. These words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Now who's speaking the word? Jesus is. Is he not the word of God? So every time he opened up his mouth, what did he speak? He spoke the word of God. Was it true? Jesus always spoke the truth. That's why he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He always spoke the word. And when he spoke it, it was to bring about an appearance in your mind. It was to create a word in you from heaven. Where was Jesus from? He was from heaven. So every word that Jesus spoke was to create in you a mind from heaven. So that as you begin to grow in the mind of Christ, you begin to grow in the understanding of heaven Thus, what we read in Genesis 
is the appearance of the testimony of Jesus Christ through a covenant with God. And what happens in the book of Revelation, Jesus begins to finish it in you where you begin to understand that the testimony is of Jesus Christ and Him only. And all the words in between, you begin to learn how to die that He may live, that He may become you. Actually, I don't want to say it that way. That you may become Him. These words spoke Jesus, and He lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son may also glorify Thee. As Thou hast given Him power over all flesh. Now, So in the beginning, did He give Adam power over all flesh? Did He not give him that dominion? So what He was giving him was the testimony of Jesus Christ. So as it was in the beginning, so so is it also in Christ in the end. That's why Jesus would say, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Was Adam a spiritual being or a fleshly being, Frankie? He was spirit. He was the Son of God. What caused him to become flesh? What happened to the covenant? He broke the covenant. He broke the commandment. He disobeyed the Father. And in that disobedience, he became flesh. But what did the Father do? Did the Father still love Him or did the Father hate Him? If I read the parable of the prodigal son, I know that the Father still loved Him and that the Father was going to bring Him to a place where He could once again put that robe, the Spirit, back on Him and He would know that He had come home to the right place. And that there would be a celebration in heaven forevermore. Can you say amen? Just as Connie uh, saw in a vision, she saw Joshua, the high priest, and that his clothes were filthy. But God spoke to the angel, and the angels took the dirty garments off of him and clothed him again. in the whiteness or in the brilliance of the Father, clothe Him with the glory of the Father once again. Awesome. It's hard for us to, because of sin, sometimes it's hard for us to begin to accept what we are in heaven. It's amazing when a lot of times when the Word of God comes to us and because of our perception of it, What do we see ourselves as, Lou? How about filthy garments? Not good. But is that God's judgment? Or is that your own? It's your own. The thing that hinders us the most is how we perceive ourselves in the eyes of the Father. Even though God said, Thou art my beloved Son. It's just because of how we perceive ourselves in the flesh. We can't see ourselves as God sees us. As you have given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as 
as you have given him. So what's Jesus going to give you? Eternal life. What kind of life is that? Is it his life without beginning, without end? Right? So when it speaks about, I'm going to throw another name at you. Probably shouldn't at this time, but I'm going to. The priest of the high priest of God, his name was Melchizedek, if we turn to the book of Hebrews, right? And I'm not going to take the time to do that this morning. But this Melchizedek, he was he was the the priest of God, but he what was he? Without father, without mother, without beginning, without end. Is it not describing the testimony of Jesus Christ that is in you by the word of God? that God is anointing you with in this day of salvation. How else could he be written of in the book of Hebrew if it wasn't true? Did the writer of the book of Hebrews, did he see something that was greater than himself? Well, we can go into just to the first and second chapters of the book of Hebrew, and it begins to talk about the dispensation of angels and how that every angel was the testimony of who? Jesus Christ, and that every angel emanated out of him. So if we want to talk about angels, who do we have to talk about? We have to talk about Jesus. And this is life eternal. Now listen to this. This is life eternal. That they might know you, the only true God. So what's eternal life? To know God. To know the Father. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So if I know Jesus, who do I know? I know God. If I know God, who do I know? Jesus. You know how quickly we forget these things? And we want to separate them in our mind? But if I have eternal life, who do I know? I know Jesus and I know the Father. Because they are one and they testify of one another. They are not separate. They are not distinct. They are one. And in eternal life, I know that they are one and the same. Moses, when he stood before the burning bush, who was talking to him? He said, Lord. The Lord was, right? So was he talking to Jesus or was he talking to God? Yes. Thank you, Ted. Good answer. He was talking to God. He was talking to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the manifestation of the Father, is he not? So Moses, in his mind, God took him up took his perception up to a higher place and he saw the angel of the Lord. And when he saw the angel of the Lord, it began to commune with him about what he was to do to bring about the eternities of God in himself. And he gave him a charge in it, did he not? Did he not say, Basically, it's what he said to Moses, go into your world and preach the gospel. Is that not the charge that Jesus gave his disciples? Go into the world and preach the gospel. How many disciples did Jesus have? 
Twelve. How many tribes did Moses have? Twelve. The covenant that God hath made with you has the same appearance as it had with Moses and as Jesus finished it. It's the same. It's an everlasting covenant. In other words, it's eternal. So every time God covenanted with Abraham or Noah or David or Moses or any other man of God, man of faith, that covenant was there. God brought them into the covering of the everlasting covenant or the everlasting gospel, if you want to say it that way. It's been there from the beginning and it's certainly there today for you. And God has bound Himself to that covenant. God does not work separately from it because the covenant is Himself. It's every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He binds it in Himself for your sake. So that when you bind yourself to the Word of God, you become joined to it. And the power that God hath put in it becomes the power that begins to work in your mind to bring you out of the flesh and separate you unto the Gospel or unto the Spirit of God. begins to change you mightily. So was Moses changed? In fact, when Moses went back into Egypt, right, to preach the gospel, when he went back, he saw a Hebrew and an Egyptian fighting, right? Moses knew that in Egypt, what did he have? He had lots of riches. In fact, everything that the Pharaoh had was basically his. Did he want it? Did he desire it? No. Something took place in his heart to where the only riches that he sought after were what? God's. That was it. That was it. And so he saw the Hebrew and the Egyptian striving together, right? Who did he go to save? The Hebrew. Not the Egyptian. The Hebrew. And then the Hebrew did what to him? Turned on him. Wow. Flesh, right? The things that God hath given you are not after the flesh. Not, they're not by flesh and blood. So Jesus preached it that flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. But that which is after the Spirit, that which God giveth, that which God hath made covenant with, that brings eternal life, brings the eternities of God alive in the heart, and it begins to change the heart from a heart of flesh to a heart after the Spirit of God. So that when you're quickened to the Father and you open your mouth to speak, what comes forth? It's the Spirit of life. So now when I hear the Word of God, do I hear it based upon my own perceptions or do I hear it because now the angel of the Lord 
has appeared and is directing my mind. Even Moses, when he heard it, what did he say? Well, I don't know how to speak. But that was truthful because when these things begin to work in us, because they're, they're changing our mindsets, changing our thoughts, changing our perceptions, changing our consciousnesses, when it begins to change it, to speak it is something that we do not know and understand how to do. Now we have to learn a new language. Now we have to learn the language of the Father. Now we have to learn to speak the wonderful works of God and not the works of ourselves. So now God has to begin to create in the minds by the Holy Ghost His own works. How He formed the heavens and how He formed the earth so that the earth we perceive is new. Isaiah prophesied, I see a new heaven and a new earth come down out of heaven. In other words, the heaven that He knew before and the earth that He knew before What happened to them? They were taken away. What's going to happen to yours? It's going to be taken away. All things become new when we believe in Jesus Christ. When we join ourselves to the body of Christ and we become as God set forth in the beginning, even through a time when God separates the male and the female in us, to show us how we fell so that our understanding becomes complete. Then when He begins to join it all back together in one, who gets the glory? God does. Because now I see myself not as a man in the flesh, but now a new man, a Christ man, a Jesus man, And my testimony is of things above and not of the things of the earth. Isn't it? I I read the Old Testament as Moses, (laughs) as he went forth in declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ, did God not bring him to a place where he taught him how to build a tabernacle? And how to enter the tabernacle? And what could go in the tabernacle? And what could make up the tabernacle? Did he not teach it all to him? And that it couldn't, he couldn't build it in the camp. It had to be outside the camp, outside the people, so the people would know that there was a way to enter into the tabernacle of God. And they couldn't do it according to their own mindsets. And Moses would go out to that tabernacle. What was there? What was at that tabernacle? Huh? The altar was there, but how about how about the fire from heaven by night and the cloud by day? The presence of God was continuously upon it. And could Moses just enter in or did he have to enter in a specific way? He had to enter in according to the Word of God. And when he took Joshua with him, He would leave Joshua outside until the day that he couldn't. Because God said, you leave Moses and you send Joshua in. That's how God wants to appear to you. That's how God is appearing to you. So back to my relationship with my wife. 
this is what God is making afresh in me, is that how I speak to my wife when it comes to the Word of God, it must be complete. It must be perfect. It must be a finishing gospel in her. So as everything that God gives to me, I give to her. Let me ask you something. Are you the church? So are you the body of Christ? Are you the wife of God? Is that important to you? This becomes the consuming question. Because the church is the bride of Christ, is it not? And we read these, I've read this before recently. Because are we not members, in, the, in Corinthians it talks about us being members of one another. We all have a specific place or we are ordained individually for a specific reason in the body. Let me read this. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Where where is this taking place? In the heart. What's God changing? The heart. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in the testimony that God's putting within you, how many names are there? One. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Sounds to me like every soul to God is important. Every aspect of every soul to God is important. So how we perceive ourselves Are we important to the Father? Did He not make us? Does He not know who we are? Does He not know our name? Even to the place where He knows the number of hairs we have on our head, whether we lose them or not. Because He's talking about our thoughts. Who knows our thoughts better than God? God knows. And if we think that God doesn't know, we're lying to ourselves. God knows. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. So who's your husband? The Lord. So are you going to whisper something in my ear that I doesn't need to be heard? To confuse my mind or to take me out? Are you going to do that? No. Well, you've tried it. It didn't go so well. Who is watching over us? The Lord. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what men can do to me. He's the protector of our thoughts. He's the protector of what we are becoming. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Even Now listen. Even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. So who's the Savior of the body? Who? Christ. 
Who was it that died for your sins? Jesus Christ. Who shed His blood on the cross to cover your sins forever? Jesus Christ. So then, what's, what blood washes you to make you white as snow? Is it not the blood of Jesus Christ that commands the angels to remove the filthy garments and to set upon you to make you the Son of God once again? Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. <laughs> That's, I find that to be awesome. Who's the, who's the husband? Christ. The head of the church. So am I subject to Christ as the husband of my wife? So... Do I want to speak something to her that is not true? No. Can I? Yes, I can. Not as a husband. But as one to deceive. The wife. This is how serious it is before the Father. This is why God makes covenant. This is why when you say you believe in Jesus Christ in that covenant, you are bound by that same word, the word of God. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loves the church and gave himself for it. You think that Christ was not purposed in going to the cross? I'm going to tell you. What God purposed in His Son, Jesus, God purposed in Himself before time began. And that in Jesus Christ becoming the manifestation of the Father, then who went to the cross for you? It was the God. It was Himself. Knowing that when you believed, you would begin to understand, to know, how much you are loved of God. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word of God. So, folks, in our minds, we've heard all these things before, have we not? How many times have you heard this scripture, Lou? I'm going to say probably hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> but we've heard them. We've heard it and we've heard it and we've heard it over again. Here's the problem. We didn't hear it as the Word of God. because the Yeah, we heard it from the wrong husband. Because when we hear it from the Word of God, it is effectual. It is, it is mind-blowing, if I can use that term. How about this? How about life-changing? Mind-changing? Transforming? Creating? When we hear it as the Word of God, it creates in you a clean heart. And begins to mold you into the image and likeness of God. That he might present it to himself. A glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. Wow. Now, 
Do you think God knows what he's doing? I think he knows exactly what he's doing. And we know in the scriptures that God is not a respecter of men, right? In other words, God does not choose one over another. God in his covenant has set his mercy in place. And by his grace through faith has made it acceptable or available to all that believe. Can you say amen this morning? That's how much God loves you. I don't care if you see it in your minds this morning individually or as one. His mercy is greater than what we think. And we know from the scripture that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And the things of this world, he's going to bring for naught. That the things that are in him might become the power and the demonstration of the Spirit of God in truth. Are you thankful for that today? I hope so. I hope that you've heard something today that lifts you up in your mind, takes you into heaven, sets you on the right hand of the Father, and begins to show you the glory that the Father has put in you, even as himself. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today.